Well, your your face is so big tonight. Kevin, so is yours. <laughs> Wait, do I need to lose weight? <laughs> we're, we're, we're a little too old to be the only two people on this. I like it when we have uh, little squares. I'm going to back my computer away from you a little bit. Oh, that's nicer. I, I, I like my myself a little bit better with the uh the soft focus uh, <laughs> no so it's just will and i tonight um we have had uh full shows for about what a month and a half two months and uh mm -hmm. had a blast and then i think with san diego comic-con uh, i think Absolutely. a lot of people are either visiting or like will and i angry that we're not there which i mean jealous i mean yeah. <laughs> uh i mean really happy for the people who are there that's what i mean yeah. really happy for the people who are there and, and not at all jealous or angry or bitter or, or any um, of those things no none no. of those things um <laughs> so will and i are like well hey we're not going to do the kickstarter roundtable tonight because uh we don't have any uh projects new projects to talk about mm -hmm. so we kind of put out a call for some questions and do kind of a mailbag type of uh um a show tonight but we do have a campaign that's live. Um, we do. I think. I think. Uh, why don't you do your thirty-second uh, pitch, and um, I'll pull up the page and let's do a uh, a shallow dive because people okay. know about crossover division. But what if this is the first time they've seen us? What if this is the first time they've heard the podcast? They should hear about uh, crossover division because you have what one week left? One week, seven days. That's right. Woohoo! All We're right, I'll. There. <laughs> I'll pull up the page while you do the uh, the deep dive. All right. Uh, when stories come to life and threaten to fracture reality beyond repair, only an English professor and a research librarian have the knowledge and the smarts to save us all from an unhappy ending. Gorgeous. <laughs> so, crossover division is your your baby. Who are the two artists that you've had on the series so far? Uh, we started out with uh, Pablo Martinena. Uh, who's an uh, Argentinian artist who's great. Um, and he did the first two issues, but then we ran into some scheduling weirdness. So uh, mm -hmm. I uh, apparently have something against American artists because I went with a French <laughs> artist this time. Uh, Alice Leclerc is a, uh, is a pretty amazing artist as well. And uh, she's over in France. So what, uh, what she's doing is she's done issue three, uh, which we funded... Uh, several months back, I think in December, and just, we got it fulfilled last month or two ago, and then uh, we jumped into Crossover Division number four, where Alice is doing the art for us. Well, and let's, I'm going to stop you there for a second. You had an interesting uh, decision to make because of the paper shortage. The books took a little longer than you expected, so you had a choice to launch this campaign before you fulfilled um, issue three. Mm -hmm. or to delay this campaign until you fulfilled. You chose to delay this campaign mm -hmm. until you had fulfilled issue three. Um, I know you're, you know, 75% through this campaign. Do you think you made the right choice, the wrong choice? What do you feel about that choice? I think so. I mean, I think it, I, you know, and this is not to not creators that, you know, have multiple outstanding campaigns because a lot of the creators that I know, you know, can do that and do it well. It's really just me on the fulfillment side. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to take the chance that I would have to be trying to fulfill three and also do stuff with four um, and, you know, 
have something fall through the cracks. So, mm -hmm. so ultimately, it was just me wanting to make sure that I got all of that done. And there's two people that still haven't filled out their surveys from number three. <laughs> Fill them out so I can get you your books, please. Anyway, Come on, uh, Ryan Kroboth. I know you're one of the two. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't Ryan. But speaking wow. of speaking of Ryan, uh, Ryan is the uh, colorist for us. On uh, he's taken over as colorist for crossover division number three and number four. Uh, Pablo colored his own work, but uh, Ryan's been coloring uh, this issue and the, the previous issue, and he's done an amazing job. Ryan is fabulous. He's a great guy, uh, really talented uh, artist, um, illustrator, and colorist. Mm -hmm. But um, for a while there, just an inside joke, anybody listening, he, um, I, I think he says it was an email issue with Backerkit, but I, I do think he just never checks his email because I would literally have to, you know, email him or Facebook message him to get his address to send him books like four campaigns in a row. <laughs> But you know what? This is what we do. We're, we're one-stop shopping here. So if, if we got to contact right. you, we will. Yeah, I see his colors right there. Yeah, it's oh, nice. yeah. And he went, I, I told him, uh, I actually had a note. Because uh, so, so Hector is drawing on the whiteboard here. And he's really, you know, trying to, you know, he's making this great work of art mm -hmm. that explains the, the, the last issue. So it's a recap. Uh, and it's a gag. And mm -hmm. I just had so much fun writing it and then i think alice had a tremendous amount of fun drawing it <laughs> and uh ryan had a i mean he just he i told him to use all the colors every one of the markers and he said okay i'm on it so uh and you can see where alice had hector give himself muscles in his arm <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful that is a great gag and i did i did not write the muscles so that's all on alice and i think it's brilliant so thanks alice <laughs> well you know i was i was gonna make the joke that i'm always for uh hiring french artists no matter what but um <laughs> it's so great to have an artist take your script mm -hmm. find the the point you're trying to make and then go okay and i can also add this this and this because yep. I know the world and I'm passionate about the story. So it's really cool that she found that that joke with you yeah. or for you, I should say. <laughs> yeah, it was all her. And she's she is really, you know, involved and passionate about it. And and this is not any not any slide against Pablo, um, but uh, Alice is also fluent in English. So, mm. um, you know, we can chat easier. And I think that's that's helped elevate, you know, at least these issues a little bit, uh, you know, and, but working with Pablo is, is great too. Um, but I, I find myself since I've, you know, I'm writing for someone, you know, who either doesn't speak English or English is their second language. Mm -hmm. I feel like I try to write more stripped down and not use as much in the way of, you know, stupid American colloquialisms. You know. <laughs> See, I think, I think we should, you know, write more, use more idioms and help them learn English. You're, you're doing them a disservice. Will. Uh, maybe. Um, but you know, us, uh, us Americans have some pretty weird sayings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Americans. I have, I have learned uh, with Ludo that some of the things that we think are, uh, you know, internationally understood are not. So that's okay. That's we had a, a back and forth about the uh, hardcover this week where, um, it, I had asked for something at the beginning and he had done something the opposite. And I had said, well, okay, that's fine. The, it, 
it's fine. And, you know, and then we got to the end and he said, I really wish we could have done. And he said the thing that I'd asked for at the beginning. And I was like, well, I, you know what, Ludo? I, I think we confused ourselves somewhere on that line. And he just answered back, I'm always confused. <laughs> so, hey, you know what? You get it right at the end and you laugh about the foibles. And that's I did say, I saw your I saw your update. So, yeah, I, I, we're getting close to the hardcover, which is pretty darn awesome. Sent the check off. We sent the check off and uh, we've got um, most uh, probably 95 to 99 percent of the book is ready to go to print. But they tell me you need 100 percent. So I'm, I'm waiting for just a couple pages. And uh, but I wanted the money there when those pages were ready because I want to get in line and then find out if there's still a paper shortage in uh, China. So nice. Very it's exciting. Nice. Yeah, it's, it was a it was one of the biggest checks I've ever written in my entire life. So uh, it was kind of nice to see a comma in my my business bank account for <laughs> one of the few time, few times in my life. Uh, it didn't last long, but it was it was really nice to. to yeah, see. you know, it's uh, just after the Kickstarter ends. There's usually you know it's a pretty healthy healthy bump for just a short minute, you know, and then mm -hmm. you know you start paying for everything and. There you go. <laughs> All right. So if you are watching or listening, oh, I, I hit manage my pledge. That's not what I meant to do. Yeah, let's not uh, do that. <laughs> uh, do do the people watching, do you want to see what happens when you cancel a pledge? Do you want to you see, see the, the, effect, on see the, the effect on the creator at the moment <laughs> when a pledge is canceled? This is this is really, this is a explain yourself exclusive. <laughs> You know what? Cancellations happen. You got to kind of roll with it. But each one uh, can be can be rough uh, because you're you always want to be moving forward quickly. And the cancellation may take you backwards, but they definitely slow the advance. So, yep. it, you know, it's, but, uh, you know, but and, you know, people back and then people have to, you know, cancel for a lot of valid reasons. So, you know, it's it's not personal. And no, although, you know, I do take it very personal and curl up in the fetal position and cry for several hours afterwards, but you know, it's okay. It yeah. You kind of have to, you have to uh, be, become one with your maker when somebody cancels their Kickstarter <laughs> pledge. And that's, you know, it's just a, it's a different journey for every creator. Um, I tend to take it better sometimes than others. Um, I, and this, this last campaign, it was the highest dollar amount, you know, it's a hardcover, so it costs yeah. a lot. And I had had early birds where if you got both hardcovers, the first day it was $70. And after the first day it was 80. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple days there where I'd get an early bird would cancel and a, somebody would come in and get the regular one. So I'd, I'd move up by $10. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get an $80 pledge and move up by $10. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to keep telling myself, hey, it's progress. It is progress. Well, and, you know, we're at, uh, if I, let me double check that. We are at um, 239 backers, which is wow. five off of the, the most backers I've ever had, which was the last campaign of 244. So with still a week left, I am... I'm really hoping we can push that number up because more readers is always a great thing. Always. Know? I think, you know, I think um, fulfilling your Kickstarter right before you launched also added a, you know, 
you, you literally, the book came and people were like, yes, I, I got, got it. it. And now I'm excited for the next campaign. I think there was something about literally handing somebody a book and then sending an email saying, guess what? You can get the next one within two or three weeks. I think that really helped you. Oh, yeah, I totally planned that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I like that. And that's something I think I may use in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. So what we did is in, in my discord, I did a, I kind of sent out a, Hey, do you have any questions about um, crowdfunding comics? Uh, kind of an ask us anything, but with, we get, we don't have to answer everything. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm a boxers guy. I'll say that, but I'm not getting any more intimate people. Okay. <laughs> Just telling you that right now. But um, so uh, the first question we got from Laurent Valls Jr. who writes Sacrifice and has been on the show mm -hmm. twice and we're excited to have him back for uh, issue three when it launches. Um, general tips for creators who are starting their journey on things to keep in mind. I totally messed up and put my goal too low on my first campaign. So do you, um, let's, let's talk first about um, funding goals and um, then, then maybe we can come up with a first timer thing. Well, you know, it's, it's art and science, you know, it's kind of, there's, there's some black magic to it. Um, I mean, there are some great tools out there. I know Tyler, Tyler James, of, mm -hmm. uh, comics launch has some really great yeah. tools that can kind of predict maybe what you, you could get, uh, you know, based on the pricing and your audience size and, you know, lots of different variables. It's, it's a really mm -hmm. good, good tool, but um i've i've done campaigns where we fund the last day mm -hmm. and those are hard man <laughs> those are really really hard um i mean you're pushing you're pushing you're pushing and then you know you get there which is great and you know maybe you make exactly what you need to cover all of your expenses and mm -hmm. maybe make a little profit who knows um but I, uh, I think I subscribe to the Kevin Joseph school of setting your, your goal, um, which in my mind is, you know, don't necessarily set your goal to cover all your expenses, set it so that you can make what you want to make, make the mm -hmm. book, um, even if you don't necessarily pay for all of the book, you know, right. And that's, I found that that's made, that's made kicks the Kickstarter campaigns for me less stressful mm -hmm. because I'm not day in and day out. I mean, and you know, with the, with the day job, I usually try to take off like the first three, four days, maybe the first week of a Kickstarter campaign. So I can just be there doing that stuff. Um, but I can't do that for a month. I don't have that much vacation. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have to talk about that, that college. Come on, give him, give him uh, 18 weeks of vacation. Yeah, Come on. Exactly. I need 18 weeks of vacation every year, every year. <laughs> I, th I think um, I agree. Um, on your first campaign, I would look at it, get your print, get all of your, everything, what it's going to cost you. Yeah. Find out how much it's going to cost you for each book you're going to print how many books you want. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just have enough books to fulfill your Kickstarter or do you want to have 
books for the next five years at conventions. And that's a personal choice. Um, I, I do subscribe that you cannot have enough issue ones. And after that, you should probably print pretty close. <laughs> issue two yeah. should be pretty close to what you need. Um, I, I wouldn't subscribe to the Kevin Joseph uh, method at the beginning of trying to do 2000 of everything. <laughs> but issue one, I would try to get as many as you can. Um, so let's say it costs you, you know, it's going to cost you $1,200 to print. And let's guess uh, $400 to ship. So you, you need $1,600. Um, and your artist costs you $3,000. So that's $4,600. Are you trying to recoup your artist's fees through the Kickstarter, which is perfectly valid? Or are you trying to get the book printed to recoup your fees either through stretch goals or through selling the book in the future? Personal choice, whatever you want to do is fine. Um, I subscribe to, I've already paid my artist most times. Mm -hmm. So I want the book first and any bits of the artist fees I can get later. So I would go with that $1,600 to start. Um, now then I think to myself, if I got up to $1,300 and failed, would I be angry Yep. that I hadn't spent $300 of my own money to get the, the Kickstarter mm -hmm. launched or uh, funded. Yeah. Well, you can't do that. You cannot legally back your own campaign. Mm -hmm. So I take that $1,600. Well, you got to do, do, you know, 10%. So on another $160. So let's put it up to 1760. And now I put in my Kevin's an idiot window of $300. <laughs> yeah. So let's say $2,000. $2,000 is what I need to make the book. I know that if I was $300 under, I'd be mad at myself. I subtract that my idiot fee down to $1,700 and that's my goal. Um, so that's how I, I do it. I kind of, what is this going to cost me so that I know that I can make this book, deliver it, ship it, et cetera. Um, and that's everybody has to make those choices for themselves. Now, on your first campaign, I would make sure I lined up 25 friends and family members that are definitely going to come out and give you five or ten dollars or more. You, your first campaign, you got to beg your family and friends to create the um, the crowd that begets a crowd. After that, you can no longer expect friends and family to help you. Yep. <laughs> Issue one, you get to say, hey, I need you to help me make this. And I would line them up long before Kickstarter, figure out how you explain to them that Kickstarter is not charity. Um, they are not doing you the greatest favor in the history of the world. They are just making a product happen and get them on board and make sure you have them because they're, they're pre-ordering. They're pre-ordering a book and pre-ordering and supporting your career. They're not giving you charity. And do not ask them to donate. Ask them to pledge because, yeah. So, all right. So that's what we think about first campaigns. Um, my, my phone went black, which is not good. All right. So Lauren had a bunch of questions, which is awesome. Okay, Tart-specific question. How difficult is it and how much planning do you need to do when planning a story around the concept of time travel? It depends on if you think you are smart or you are me. 
I did not think I was smart enough. So I really sat down with Ludo and we really outlined what the big story was and how time travel would affect that story. And then having that outline has allowed us to add stories and take them away in ways that work based on Tart's going to be in the past, in the future, and then in the future, in the past. And then when we get to those stories, people think, oh, they were smart. Well, not really. We just we just <laughs> took a little time and planned it out. Um, well, I do I, remember... I do remember you working on the outline. Uh, maybe this was what three years back or so. Uh, we were in the mastermind together. I think or was that four years ago. I time means nothing to me anymore, so it could have been last Wednesday, <laughs> or it could be tomorrow. Could be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we we and at one point I looked at our forty-two issue outline and said, I don't want to be writing Tart when I'm eighty-five. <laughs> So let's get out of these really fun stories that have nothing to do with her big journey. And you know what? We can go back to them later and uh, we'll get we'll get to that. Oh, Joey just popped in. Joey oh. Galvez from the Geek Collective, hey, who, who allows us to uh, play on Friday nights. We're doing great. Joey, how are you? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I took I took the big, big outline and kind of shaved it down to just cut, cut away the fat of the story that that are tasty, mm -hmm. but um, was just more for me and not for the story. And for instance, um, the Soul Searcher stories that were four 12-page stories in two issues were originally four 24-page stories. Oh, okay. And I just kind of wrote those much shorter, um, lost a couple things that I thought were going to be cool and clever, but didn't affect the full series in any way, shape, or form. Um, there's a reason that Tart uh, saves the girl in Bulgaria specifically. There is a mountain in Bulgaria that has a horseman and his rider literally carved into the mountain like 400, 500 feet in the air. No one has any idea how that carving is in the mountain. Somebody did it in the past. No one has any idea. So that story was eventually going to be Tart using dynamite to explode the horse and its rider and kill it into the mountain and create that structure that lives actually on Earth. Well, you can't get there in 12 pages. So that we had, <laughs> we had to lose that kind of cool little thing in Bulgaria. But we, we, we kept it in Bulgaria. The story is still there, but uh, we, we lost that one thing. <laughs> Uh, Joey says he's doing good, just building clients' Kickstarter pages. I think those clients might be on Explain Yourself <laughs> in the future. So Will and I don't have to be big heads on the screen. <laughs> you tell us when they're ready and we'll uh, we'll get them on, Joey. Um, all right. So before my phone goes away, the next one. Okay. So what is your general take on the number slash variety of self-published comics now compared to years ago when I was, when we were just starting? Oh, wow. I think we're kind of in a golden age. Um, I really do. It's, it's amazing the, because you, I, I'm going to pick on that guy for a second. Yeah. Uh, because he's, guy. In, he's in San Diego. Yeah, and we're not bitter about that at all. We're not mad about that at all. Mm -mm. Um, no, we're not pissed that he was on a, a 
a uh, Kickstarter crowdfunding panel with Jimmy Palmiotti and Cat Calamia. Well, we're pissed at Cat too, but and- <laughs> anyway, um, Charlie has these amazing, amazing campaigns with mm-hmm. with you know eleven hundred, twelve hundred backers, you know over a mm-hmm. thousand backers. Cat, you know, I think Cat and Phil hit eight hundred. You know, these yeah. are from a, a Kickstarter standpoint, Kickstarter comics. Those are massive, massive campaigns, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hopefully on target to maybe hit 300 backers with this campaign. And to me, that is a massive campaign. Mm-hmm. But you don't need that many people. No. You can get a book made with 100 backers, yeah. maybe 75 backers. And it's still a lot of work, don't get me wrong, but... Mm-hmm. But if that's the only number of people you need, then every book, I don't care what it is, has an audience. Mm-hmm. You can find an audience that big for a book. And there's, if, if I'm remembering correctly, the comics uh, category on Kickstarter has something like an 86% uh, success rate. Is that? Wow. It's, that I know it's been growing. I know Tyler, Tyler really... Um, tracks it and i think tyler has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. um tyler uh madeline um uh, uh boston metaphysical society writer uh, madeline oh. uh i'm, I, holly, I'm so holly sorry Ro- holly rosing holly rosing who who is at san diego so we're mad at her and there exactly. with her too. i mean we're not we're not um russell anolte uh mm-hmm. we're mad at him he's at sandy i mean we're not um they've really all kind of either written books or classes on Kickstarter. Greg Pack, I know, has done some things helping people. So there's a lot of people, Tyler being one of them, who have created a stronger comics category than there was when I started. When I started, there were some people that kind of uh, launched some campaigns and succeeded and then disappeared. And you don't see that quite as often uh, um, anymore. And I think that's really great. Joey actually popped a question in the comments. So um, I have a question. What is your opinion about too much copy versus um, uh, too little? Some clients like more copy than graphics and some vice versa. I believe that you cannot have too many good graphics on your Kickstarter page and you can have too much copy. That's my opinion. Uh, And I think Kevin's right. This is comics. Um, and it's the image, it's about the interplay between words and images, but the image is paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having, having too much text is, you know, if you have a wall of text, you know, it's, it's not, people aren't going to read it, but they see an image and they mm-hmm. see it, you know, immediately. Um, one of the things that, that I often struggle with on, on some Kickstarters is they don't really explain really in my mind. And this is one of the things that Brant, Brant Fowler is the, the one who did, who has done all of the Kickstarter pages that, I, that I've done lately that I've done, that he's done for me <laughs> uh, is making sure that you have each reward tier visually explained. This is what you get for it. And I feel like that's so important, but it's hard to find and non-existent on some pages, you know, mm-hmm. that I've seen 
of because like, that's a lot of work. Um, the tear images are are a, are a lot of work, yep. and they're so incredibly important. And Ludo did that for us on our first Kickstarter, and I didn't ask him to. Oh, he just awesome. happened to do it. And uh, our our first Kickstarter was um, a wonderful accident that succeeded. I kind of did a, a wall of text. <laughs> And I asked Ludo to put some images in and he threw a bunch of really cool images in. And when I saw the page, I went, oh, I'm going to erase almost everything I wrote. <laughs> and I did Here. that. And then he did the, the tier images with the prices. And I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And, um, you know, lo and behold, it's become, I think, the thing to do. But we on accident succeeded against everything I was going to do on my page. So I, I <laughs> most of our success is due to Ludo's illustrations anyway, but our Kickstarter success on issue one, uh, the trade paperback is <laughs> certainly Ludo. Um, Joey says he loves doing the tier images. It's, it's what he does for his clients. Yeah, nice. Joey, if you are looking for somebody to do your, some social media and PR and, and create your campaign, just so everybody knows, Joey at the, the Geek Collective is kind of doing that for people. Um, so he'll build your page. He'll build you social media and stuff like that. So reach out to Joey um, if you if you do. Tell him, explain yourself, sent you. We get zero percentage of it. And oh, we take all the credit. Okay, but we take, <laughs> we take all the credit. We don't want people's money. We just want to pat ourselves on the back. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, if you're if you're you've never done this and you're scared, uh, his prices are very very uh, mm -hmm. um, perfectly perfectly good for um, the work that he's he's doing. So reach out to Joey if you've never done it and you're afraid to do it but want to do it. And just what he um, tells you it's going to cost, put it in your Kickstarter um, budget funding goal <laughs> if if you need it. You know. So oh, he's at thegeekcollective.net. So. Well, and you know, another thing, if you're new to Kickstarter, uh, don't make your first Kickstarter, you know, a five figure goal on a 250 page graphic novel, um, you know, start small because you're going to make mistakes. Uh, mm -hmm. My first campaign didn't fund. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't even know what I didn't know. And going through you know the comics launch uh you know the paid program the com mm -hmm. comics launch class was just it was an eye-opener i'm like i what would you need a mailing I, list what yeah, I'm, I'm gonna break <laughs> in i think that tyler's class is worth every penny and 10 times more mm -hmm. so um if you have really need to if you want to learn about crowdfunding and you haven't done it listen to the first probably 15 episodes mm -hmm. of comics launch for free it's going to give you a lot of baseline information mm -hmm. and then look at the Facebook page. And I, I believe you should invest in yourself and at least join for a couple months. Um, I, I did, and I've never been upset about any of the money I invested in the comics lab course because it, it did change the trajectory of our campaigns. Yeah, it totally, for me, it, and, and it got me hooked into the community, which is, not something you know which was something that i really needed to do because the the comics launch community as part of the indie comics community is you know it's it's so supportive and once you're kind of mm -hmm. plugged into that then you're not just out there on your own anymore and yeah. it's it does help it helps a lot 
and and we met there so explain yourself is basically tyler's grandchild yeah <laughs> we should, get, we, 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 should give, we, we should give him baby some baby pictures right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know so joey put um he had a brand new creator to consider and, and the page went from maybe being unsuccessful to having a better chance just by peer review oh, right yeah. five ten people looking at it and just kind of hey that's good but that should be at the end not at the beginning there there even little things like just don't put it in that order can help or or you know just you're doing it wrong you you're really doing it wrong and you're cutting yourself off at the knees and Here's what I'm going to say because it happened to me and it's awful. So please don't do this. I had somebody in the past ask me to look at their Kickstarter page and it was a rough page. And I spent hours going through it and giving advice. And uh, I got a very angry message back that I just wanted them to fail. And I should have told them they, that they were doing good and good luck. Okay. If you just want <laughs> someone to tell you good luck, don't ask them to look at your page. Mm-hmm. Ask exactly. them to come to your page the day you're, you've launched. If all you're looking for is, you know, something an positive, an attaboy, wait till you've launched. If you're getting a peer review before, be ready for good constructive criticism. You don't have to take that criticism. Mm -hmm. You can say, no, you're wrong and leave your page as it is. But don't do that. It, was, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it wasn't the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> But you know, we live and we learn. So uh, we got another one from Laurent. Where do you see Crowdfunder and Zoop fitting in when Kickstarter and Instagram are pretty dominant platforms? Um, oh, you mean Indiegogo? Uh, yeah, what did I say? I think Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> I probably said Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's IGG, Indiegogo. Yeah, Indiegogo. Um, you know, we've talked about this, I think, a lot. And I think that the more strong crowdfunding sites that we have, the better for us indie creators. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a net win for everybody. You know, that, that rising tide will lift up all the ships. I think getting to a strong, multiple strong crowdfunding um, providers is, is going to take time. And you know it's mm -hmm. going to take a lot of trust building. I mean, I personally, you know, I love to see Zoop, Zoop succeed. I'd love to see Crowdfunder succeed. You know, Backer Kit's doing it now too. And you know, mm -hmm. I'd love the, the stronger all of those are, the better it is, not just for me but for everybody. Mm -hmm. the The problem I see is that Kickstarter is the eight hundred pound gorilla. Mm -hmm. um, if I bring a project to Kickstarter, I know that a god awful amount of eyeballs are going to see it. I I know that eyeballs will see it on Crowdfunder and Backerkit and Zoop, but I don't think it's anywhere near the eyeballs on Kickstarter. So it's an uphill battle for them and I mm -hmm. and I do want them to succeed and I wish them, you know, a lot of luck. It's just it I think it's going to take time. It's going to I mean Kickstarter didn't happen overnight either. It took a long time for them to build up the user base that they have. So I think it's going to take time, but you know, I, and I, and I hope they get there. I just mm -hmm. don't know how long it's going to take for them to get there. It's going to take time. 
a whole lot of precious time. You got it's it. going to take patience and money to do it right. <laughs> so uh, let's have patience and let's put some money into them. And hopefully they will um, do all right. And hopefully I sing quick enough that George Harrison's estate doesn't uh, sue me. Uh, I if if you do, I'd love to meet you and say how much I loved your uh, dad. So, um, <laughs> last question for Laurent: Why is Sacrifice your favorite comic? Well, I'm going to answer that. <laughs> it's actually funny. Uh, co comedy in uh, comic books is difficult. Um, the four panel comic is easy to be funny. The sequential art of 22 pages isn't easy. Um, and the demon, uh, your, your designs of the demons are as imaginative as any I've ever seen, um, uh, the, on the Hellraiser Cenobite level of great. So, um, that is why Sacrifice is my favorite comic. All right. So, uh, Blake, uh, Blake Buzz says, uh, what makes a great campaign page? I recently found myself shocked that people don't have their cover art included. Um, so I think that Joey's question kind of in this are the same. Um, I think that you need to lead with your strength and hopefully in a comic book, your strength is art. Um, and it doesn't mean that your artist has to be Jim Lee style. Um, the people who like your artist's way are going to find you. So you just kind of want to show people what they're going to get in the comic. Now, I don't think you should hire a cover artist like Jim Lee, you know, you know, so if you've got a $9,000, just burning a hole in your pocket and you hire Jim Lee and then you get your buddy at $15 a page to draw black and white. <laughs> don't do that. Get yourself a black and white cover. So people know what they're getting. Um, I think a great page uh, tells me who you are as a creator, what the book is, what the book is like, um, so that I know if if I, you know, if your book is like Preacher, tell me your book is like Preacher, because I want to, I want to know, because I might like Preacher, I don't, I actually don't like Preacher, <laughs> but a lot of people do, so if you make a book like Preacher, make sure people know it's like Preacher, and that will help you find your audience. And I would say, too, for your first campaign, have as much of whatever it is you're making done as mm. possible. As as you get further along, um, you've, you've built up trust, you've delivered, hopefully, and, and built up that trust. So you don't necessarily have to have as much of it done you know, before you do your launch. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say showing the art and you know giving people a sense of exactly what they're going to get you know is 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 really what you need to do just like kevin said just listen yeah. to kevin he knows what he's talking about and blake's <laughs> talked about you know cover images i do believe your cover should be on your page i i think that i want to see your interior some interior pages and i want to see your cover and if you have variant covers i want to see all of your variant covers um if if your artist is in the middle of it, you can you can put an in progress, in progress variant cover, especially if it's a, a stretch goal you're you're working towards. Um, but um, you know, because Tyler kind of made me aware that you could do this, the 3D images that makes it look like a real book. I am personally a proponent of. Mm -hmm. um, some people, as Blake says, he wants to see the cover bigger, so he likes the two dimensional. I say put them both. 
put your 3D one on and somewhere else have the bigger image, but I want to see your cover. I want to see um, uh, sequential pages and I want to see, hi, I am creator, writer or artist. <laughs> I love this book and it's, you know, this is why I'm passionate about it. That's what is a good page. A great page is about 9,000 things, but those three things are it. Cover, interior, creators are passionate about the book. You know, and Brant did something I think is just freaking awesome. He does a big uh, animated GIF of all the covers for Crossover Division. So oh, that's so great. through yeah. them after a while, and I'm like, that's so cool, man. I wish I'd have thought of that. So I'm going to take credit for that, Brant. Okay. I'm taking that. <laughs> Dave Baxter, who is my chessman, this, my, my nemesis on the chessboard. We, uh, we play chess on the nap, maybe two moves a day, but uh, he's, he makes my life hell on the chess app. Um, he says he doesn't entirely understand the law of raw, or I call them virgin covers, uh, the logo, the logo list covers. Um, she, he says, get a print if you want the image pure and front and center like that. But a cover has a lot of design elements to it that are made uh, to be a cover and not necessarily a flat print style image. So here is what I will say. A virgin cover is something that some collectors really enjoy and will pay a premium for. Mm -hmm. I do ask Ludo to draw his covers so that it looks great with a logo, but will look great as a virgin cover. This allows me to have a $10 regular issue and a $25 to $75 virgin metal hoopla cover. You do not have to do it if you don't, if that's not your style, you don't have to do it. What Will does is he'll have about four really cool different variants from different artists as a way to, to build up interest. Do what you as a creator want to do, but give as many options for people to buy your book as possible. My Kickstarter page, I want to give somebody a chance to back at $2, $5, $15, 25, 35, 75, 100, 200, 500, 700. So um, these variant covers, raw covers, metal covers, uh, nudie covers. Um, I have no issue with people doing nudie covers. I think that the book should be nudie if the cover's nudie. Yeah. That's my own personal thing. Um, uh, Dren Production does, what is the... the cannibal cheerleaders from outer space or something like that. <laughs> so I, I, I backed that because James Macia, I, I knew from comics launch and uh, you know, I've liked his books. So I, you know, I noticed he had like the nudie covers and I get the book and there's like full on sex in the book. And I was like, good. <laughs> if, if you're going to have a TNA, like nude, well, not TNA necessarily. If you're going to have a nude cover, have some nudity in the book. That's what I say. If you're going to have a TNA cover, you don't have to have sex in the book because TNA is a little different. But give people options. If you are doing a all-ages book, do not do a nudie cover or a TNA cover. Don't do that. <laughs> Again, my opinion. Yeah, and for me, it's I love working with the the artists. So that's one and one of the reasons that 
from a creator standpoint to do uh, you know variant covers is to uh, you know give our backers options. You know, it's you know. I think I think David was listening. He just made a move on the chess game, dude. <laughs> Dave, I'm busy. Come on. Man. But yeah, I mean, Kevin's right. It's it's about giving because not every backer backs for the same reason or for the same okay. stuff. You know, you're going to have digital backers. You're going to have physical backers. Some of those physical backers are going to be collectors. Some of those physical mm -hmm. backers are going to be readers. So it's about us as creators trying to present as many options as we can, you know, to backers to back us. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's really what it kind of comes down to. Um, and, and, and Chuck Pino actually wrote, I understand what you mean about um, certain covers, but here's the thing. I'm not a fan of variants in general. We don't do those covers for us. We do them for the fans and the collectors. They love them. We don't have to understand. We just have to give them what we know they'll love. Yeah, yeah. options. Give That's people fine. options to to make them happy because a reader or a fan, whatever you call them, who is happy is likely to come back. And exactly. your first Kickstarter campaign, your 10th Kickstarter campaign, you're trying to deliver an experience that is so much fun that they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, oh, he's not certain virgin. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> virgin covers. <laughs> Um, Joey says, am I the only one that tips don't work for? I cannot see tips on my computer. I need to work in, uh, in JPEG, but I, I don't know about on Kickstarter. Um, try, I would try putting them as JPEGs, just transfer them to JPEGs and put them on. But most of pages to printers are tips, but I think on Kickstarter, maybe JPEGs or, um, Ping, pings PDFs. work really well too. Pings. P and oh, pings yeah. can be any size, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Chuck was at Comic Palooza. Oh my God, yes, I, uh, I missed going to Coral Sword with you and having a beer uh, and playing. Uh, what was the game you taught me? Uh, it was I, I can't remember the name of it. Put it in the put put the the game you taught me in the in the uh, comments, please. Yeah, Chuck and I almost drowned one night after an Astros game. It was absolutely a great weekend. Uh, him, Douglas Brown, and I had a, a booth, and it was fabulous. But yeah, couldn't quite get to Houston this time. Um, so, oh, actually, right. uh, Joey just—he um, was talking about uh, Kickstarter maybe degrading the quality of the image or whatever because they do resize it, I think. But I did—I figured out something um, by accident because I'm not—I wasn't actually trying to solve any problem. But um, I usually just do screen—I'll I'll do a screen snip of of an image. Uh, of the project image when I'm sharing mm -hmm. somebody else's campaign, you know, so I've right. got an image there. Um, but Kickstarter recently changed the format of that. It's not a JPEG anymore. It's like a, some kind of web, web file, web image. But if you right click it, you can just download it. It won't have the play button on it. It'll just be the project image. And then you can convert it to, I don't even know. Whatever you want. Whatever okay. you want. Yeah. So it's, it was a happy accident that I discovered that. Well, sweet. Oh, Chuck, Cards Against Humanity. Yep, that's exactly what it was. We <laughs> we, we, we had a couple beers. We played Cards Against Humanity. Ming Chen came in. We, we talked about the Astros game, and uh, it, was a, it was a fabulous weekend. So That is um, a fun, fun game. There's a card in there, uh, I think, called That Bitch Stacy. 
<laughs> my wife's name is Stacy, so we we had a lot of fun with that card. <laughs> so um, I wanted to say that uh, my 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 chess uh, enemy uh, Dave is coming to Kickstarter soon. He has a property which he hasn't announced yet, so we can't we can't uh, steal his thunder. But he's going to be bringing a property back into uh, the uh, the universe, and it's going to be pretty exciting. So yeah, we will have awesome. Dave on. I hope. I don't know if he stays. Well, he obviously stays up late enough to play chess. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Dave, if you're listening, you're going to have to come on because if you can play me chess at 11.52, uh, then you can come on, explain yourself. <laughs> so, um, okay. Oh, Meta Sorcier. Um, <laughs> she says, a graphic designer friend of mine absolutely hates virgin covers and uh, refers to them as um, unfucked by graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I believe that that kind of goes into uh, your graphic designer friend is looking at their own pocketbook and not what sells. So I would yeah. I would offer virgin and uh, very non-virgin covers as well. So she also asked, um, also as far as questions go, I'm curious if you guys' stories have any sort of like deep personal meaning or is it more, hey, this would be a cool story. There's uh, no wrong answer here. Yes, there is a wrong answer. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to give it. I don't think Tart is a specifically personal story to me. It's the story that I could tell within the framework of what uh, Ludo was trying to do. So um, I would never have come up with this story if I didn't have the skeletons that Ludo was already the bones of the skeleton Ludo was already working with. I just kind of um, built from there. So it's a personal story that Ludo and I kind of built on top of each other. And there's things I'm super proud of and things that I think are great, but um, it's not personal to me, except that I've made it personal because I want it to be the best story we can tell. Well, what about uh, Morte or, uh, you know, so other stuff that you've done. Morte was coming home from New York Comic Con as tired as a human can be, alone on a plane, reading a New Scientist magazine and reading how the word mortuary, uh, mortician was made up. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the words for, I think it was Undertaker before mortician. And it got a bad, um, a bad take. And so they took mort, meaning death, mm -hmm. and added titian, meaning like, like a pediatrician or whatever, to make them sound better. And I sat there and I went, that is so crazy. And then just something clicked in my mind. And I went, oh, that could be a one shot. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that is particularly... Um, personal except maybe i would hope that i would want to do something i would hope that i wouldn't quit if i was in the situation that um the lead character who i call morte mm -hmm. um if i was in the situation that that lead character was in i would hope to do something meaningful with however many days weeks months or years i had mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that could be personal about it is just 
I want my life to be meaningful. And that was the way that character found to be meaningful. But it was just being at that low ebb of just so exhausted. You, you can barely eat and reading something. And, I, you know, that's where that one came from. Cool. So, no, I'm not very deep. <laughs> How about you? Is Crossover Division a deep personal story? I don't know if it's deep in person. Well, it's it's personal in that objective truth matters and is important and we we can't i i, I don't want us to lose sight of that you know there is you can't just relativize everything away you know it's just what you think or what you know there is an objective truth out there and whether you can see it or not it matters i mean and that's mm -hmm. i mean i honestly if you read the first page of crossword division number one i give it away right there at the very beginning hank hank has his little speech where he's all happy for a second and that's where i completely give it away that's i mean that, that's really what it's about it's about truth cool all right um i am trying to get down to another question the great thing about the Discord is people just got into a nice discussion, which is awesome, and I'm really happy they did it. It's also harder to find questions. Uh, uh, M. Sorcier, another question. Um, after putting out so many issues of comics for so many years, do you guys still feel any sort of degree of imposter syndrome? And if so, how do you keep it in check? Yes. I think um, I don't think creativity is a job, career, um, uh, whatever we're doing, uh, uh, journey mm -hmm. that you can do without sometimes questioning if you belong there. I have a great deal of, uh, I know what, I know that I'm not that great. And also I have an amazing amount of hubris in that I know that I am no good and also nobody's better than me. And it's a really weird <laughs> like thing between a God, everybody else is so good. Do I belong? Also, what gives them a right to do this and not me? Have <laughs> that, you know, um, I go through the imposter syndrome. Uh, and when it hits me, I think of the Neil Gaiman story of where he was invited to a, um, um, a meeting of incredibly, incredibly smart scientists. And they were all oh, talking. The story and of the two Neils. Yes. I the story that. of the two Neils. <laughs> and there were Neil Gaiman was sitting at the back and this man was sitting there and they were listening to a brilliant scientist talking about something. And uh, the other Neil said, God, do, can you believe that we were invited here? We don't belong. And Neil Gaiman looked at Neil Armstrong and said, Neil, you walked on the moon. So if Neil Armstrong can feel like he shouldn't exist somewhere, and if my favorite writer, Neil Gaiman, can feel like that, then I go, okay, this is something all humans feel. I'm just going to tell my stories and, and try to find some readers, and I'm gonna, not going to worry about imposter syndrome. And when it hits me, I'm going to go, F it. You know, I, nobody's better than me. A lot of people are better than me, but <laughs> you kind of have to say that you're not better than me. You know, like what was that Tanner on uh, the uh, um, Bad News Bears? 
maybe. The yeah. shortstop, the foul mouth shortstop. <laughs> be like Tanner. If you get imposter syndrome, be like Tanner. Tell in your mind, don't don't say it out loud. But like, F you if you think you're better than me. You know, and I, I think a lot of us, and I'm not going to speak for all of us indie creators, but I think a lot of us kind of feel that. And and maybe just me, but I think if you if you get interest from a publisher, mm-hmm. that serves as some kind of, you know, external validation where, you know, oh, somebody else thinks I'm okay, somebody, you know, higher up somebody you know higher up in the chain you know it's Mm -hmm. that kind of external validation that you know maybe i'm not or maybe it makes it worse i don't know (laughs) uh and more money more problems more money more problems so so you get invited to a publisher and your book gets published and it is an amazing honor and it is great and then um next month another book is published that's right. <laughs> and all of a sudden the 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 part on the website that your your cover was on no. their cover's there. <laughs> You're not there anymore. Yeah. Um because that's what a publisher has to do. They have to um push the new thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're constantly trying to uh get a place at, at the table and then prove you deserve that place and then you know, if you got up and got to the bathroom and someone's sitting in your seat, you get, you, you got to wait for somebody else to go to the bathroom. You got to sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, you know, the imposter syndrome does not go away when you're published. I can tell you that with great humility, that might be where it happens the most often. Um, Joey Galvez, and this is the last question, unless anybody has something else to put. Um, I'm writing a book. Shh. <laughs> what advice do you have for a brand new creator? Um, write your book. Mm-hmm. That, my, that's my advice. Write your book. Finish it. Finish <laughs> it. Um, I do know Stephen King says to then put it away for two, three weeks, four weeks, and reread it again as a reader because you're going to be farther away from it at that point. Mm-hmm. So you're actually going to see... Um, where A didn't actually lead to B to C. Uh, A went to C and then back to B, and you're going to have to fix that. So um, finish your first draft. Know that your first draft is going to be rougher than the uh, the final. Um, don't, don't beat yourself up if your first draft isn't Shakespeare, and um, get some people you trust to read it, and um, people who will give it the give you the type of advice that you're looking for um be ready to be told that something you love isn't good and be told something that you think sucks is great and then you figure that you know go through that that mystery of what do you change um but just you know have have fun with it too you know like you're making something that didn't exist before so don't let it hurt you yeah i mean it's you know, Kevin brings up a really good thing, you know, King's advice about getting some distance from it because ultimately we as, as creators are our own worst editors. Yes. You know, we, we see what we intended to write or what we thought we wrote, not necessarily what's actually on the page. So uh, I know that uh, John Lees, who's mm. 
awesome writer. He has he a is. you know hotel sink. Um, uh, oh, and Emily was gone, and then mm -hmm. Emily was gone. Oh, fabulous writer. Yep. And he will never be on this uh, show because he's in Scotland, Scotland, so the time doesn't work. <laughs> and also, his accent is so deep. I, <laughs> you know, no nobody would know what he said the whole time. But fabulous guy. <laughs> But he uh, he has a writing group, so you know they all share and they all review each other's work, um, which is great. You know, but finding a group of creators that you can you know have that kind of you know chemistry with is probably going to be pretty hard. If you can afford it, I would highly recommend an editor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, James Powell's the editor on Crossword Division, and he makes he makes the books better. And I think you know by extension, I get better with every book that we do together so yeah because you have ptsd you're like oh god i gotta explain I got it. It. yeah <laughs> he's gonna gripe at this i gotta fix it before he gripes <laughs> at it yeah <laughs> uh but there's some you know we've um you know james is a great editor um crap uh road trip to hell she's an awesome editor as well oh, I nicole deandra yes nicole deandra yeah. you know uh you know having having an editor especially like Nicole, mm -hmm. you know, you see her name on a lot of really, really quality books. And my I favorite think, comic, Sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that that's an accident. I think that's yeah, it's good. That is very much attributable to her and her abilities as an editor. No, I, I absolutely. You see her on a lot of really good books. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I joke because Laurent did it, but no, Sacrifice is great. So. He's a good writer. She's a good editor, uh, you know, and he's got a great artist. So between everybody, it's a good book, but a good editor helps you. But Chuck Pino, a great editor. He's on some great books. Um, Bilal, he just had Viscarian uh, Tales that his wife wrote. Yep. And I, I know that he helped create like the world around it. I was so upset we couldn't get them on the show because uh, it never worked out with timing. Um, you should have been live this week chuck we had room <laughs> yeah lots of room no tell please tell wendy that we we want her on the next campaign because i really <laughs> felt bad that we couldn't get her or travis gibb on the the last month we just didn't have any spots and i was very sad um all right that's the questions we had uh let's go through the campaigns that are still live and let's call this an early night because you know what i'm tired yeah that works for me man Relate, All right, relatable young adult <laughs> mystery comic, a um, a very absurd, very funny, just silly concept where two writers, uh, Fearless Fred and Ricky Lima, uh, telephoned the plot where one would write a couple pages and hand it off, and the other would write a couple pages and hand it back. And they just kept write, trying to write the other person to a corner that they couldn't get out of. So they're basically just pranking each other with every page. <laughs> and so the end result is an insane but really fun story. Um, reminiscent, not exactly of Axe Cop, but kind of the, boy, the story can go anywhere that Axe Cop gave you. And it's <laughs> cute. It's a, it's a little bit of a parody of Scooby-Doo with a bunch of other absurd elements and definitely worth your uh, time and attention. Oh, and uh, before we go on, um, mm. shout out to Kat uh, Calamia, who oh, we're mad yeah. at, but not mad at, and Phil Falco, 
who were who not, were not mad. mad. Yeah, we are exactly. not mad at Phil. <laughs> I can say that Phil, you're in the not at San Diego club. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> but uh, their uh, their uh, anthology yeah. uh, by visibility number volume two. Yeah. Buyer, I don't know, or still buy, whatever. Buyer than ever is what they said. <laughs> uh, that funded, uh, I think it was either last night or earlier today. So uh, congrats yeah. to them. Uh, Tarmux, um, yep. one of the campaigns that Joey Galvez helped, uh, that funded in the last couple days. Ryan Biz's Ruination funded this week. Um, and I think Territory uh, funded yep. either this week or last week. So we had a we had a, a banner a week for funded campaigns. Yep, absolutely. So um, uh, Pocus Hocus, another yep. Joey Galvez special. Um, this is a Faustian comedy. And uh, as as uh, the, the writer said, it's just as absurd as the name Pocus Hocus. And uh, <laughs> just a fun, cute um story and well worth checking out uh unicorn vampire hunter it's a unicorn that fights vampires with his horn duh i love that description of it that i read on the page <laughs> and it and it's a it is a all ages fairy tale so it is definitely he said that his his biggest readers are eight-year-old girls so if you have um I, you know, like I always kind of like take two years off for a boy. So if you got like a six-year-old boy or an eight-year-old girl uh, or niece or nephew, uh, definitely grab this. It doesn't mean it's not worth reading yourself, but it's it's an all-ages book. So we need to kind of seed those readers and in the most uh, selfish way possible. Get them hooked on comics now and they will buy Crossover Division and Tart later. So let's get all the all-ages books out we can. Absolutely. I accidentally didn't put Pocus Hocus um, in in the uh, the banner. So if you're watching this on YouTube, Pocus Hocus um, Magical Comic Series, and I see two comments. Let's make sure we didn't miss anything. Oh, Pocus has six days left. Joey says so. You got about a week to get on Pocus Hocus. Oh, steak. Oh, yeah. So Jesse Me presents Stake, our buddy David Byrne, who was the co-publisher at Scout Comics, uh, the the guy who gave me um, uh, some help and that imposter syndrome as Tart went away and other books came out. I'm looking at you, David. No, they, they <laughs> I understand the business. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Um <laughs> But no, Jessamy is um, a lead character of his state comic, but she is a vampire, which means she was having adventures way back in colonial times. And this is one of the stories of uh, her investigating some rumors on a slave plantation um, in what, the 1700s? 1600s? I think so. I think yeah. yeah, quite a while back. And the art on it is beautiful. Absolutely. Yep. So, uh, yeah. oh, crowdfunder. So yes. this is not on Kickstarter. Crowdfunder headcases, Leslie Julian and AJ Mason are, um, this is two friends who find themselves uh, a duffel bag that belongs to a hitman and has a head of his last uh, job in it. And uh, it is a comedy and I, I have not read it, but I can only imagine that um, some zaniness ensues as they try to, <laughs> get rid of the head and or get away from the assassin. And this is on crowdfunder, mm -hmm. crowdfunder without the E. So uh, crowdfund, 
and then the letter r.com slash head cases and give that uh, give that a look um let's let's fertilize the land over at crowdfunder as we also keep fertilizing kickstarter and uh zoop as they come up mm-hmm. and potentially backer kit as well at some point yeah <laughs> uh so we said david used to be the co-publisher of scout comics well guess what the yeah. the person who has taken over the reins um richard rivera stabity bunny is coming back it is scout comics first ever kickstarter i believe joey has a hand in this one as well he's a busy busy beaver um (laughs) stabity bunny is a spirit that lives in a stuffed animal and whether it is benevolent or malevolent is uh something you'll have to learn in the series but the family that owns the uh, bunny that it, the spirit is stuck in is uh, a being uh, pursued by definitely a, a nasty entity. And this bunny is there to protect them. So nice. Scout Comics first ever Kickstarter. I might have a vested interest in hoping this does well. <laughs> so take what I say with the, all of the bias that comes with it because I want it to do amazing. And Joey says I do. So Joey is doing the stabbing money. I thought so. All right, cool. Uh, looks like we've got Project Big Hype, I think. I think it's still going, yeah. But yep. I did think they just passed the funding uh this week so 385 pages i think black and white uh manga influence and it's really about getting new creators their uh, their launching pad and it's really going to be you're you're going to get your money's worth on this book because 385 friggin' pages jeez no kid the big and big hype <laughs> is not bull bull yeah and uh cheeky let's get a little cheeky as we get out of here right (laughs) um actually we have one more but um uh pat shand who is in san diego so yeah (laughs) uh not at all bitter and angry at pat being out in san diego with charlie and pet cat and As, so, I, you know, as I take another drink thinking about it. No, I, I, I can't I have, be too mad. I can't be yeah. too I've been to San Diego, so I can't be too angry. I've <laughs> I've been to it. Um, so you can be angry. You haven't been, right? Nope, never been. <laughs> so we're going to have to work on that, Will. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Cheeky is a monster success. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, I think it's over 70, well over 70,000 now. Nice. Um, I do have to gripe at Pat some because he did not have a $69,000 stretch goal. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, Pat, come on, man. <laughs> you, get, you know what? Everybody who does like something horror has a 666, either, either the dollar amount or the <laughs> yeah. backer amount. So come on, you got to be thinking, Pat. <laughs> Cheeky is an anthology of mature stories. And when I say mature, I mean like, mature um (laughs) but the thing about pat is he and his wife kind of put these stories together they're um they're very careful to actually have a story with sex as opposed to sex surrounded by dialogue um and it's uh you know drawn with i think the thought to not just be male gaze uh not safe for work i i think that there's probably something that 
males will enjoy to look at and females, but I think it's a very open and honest uh, take on sexuality. And so, you know, go for it, Pat. Keep yeah, it up. It's got some great covers too. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Romina Morinelli, uh, great artist, does one of the covers. And I think uh, Jen St. Ange does one of the covers as well. Yeah. And there's another one, and I, sorry, I don't remember the artist. I think he got another. Banksy. Band. Huh? At $70,000, you can get a Banksy cover, right? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, email Pat Shin and ask how much his Banksy cover is. <laughs> he should have a, a $1.5 million tier for a Banksy uh, one-off. One-off, yeah. Maybe that's halfway shredded you know, in the printer. <laughs> oh, that was so brilliant. That was so brilliant. I said there was one more. Uh-huh. Oh, that's guy. me. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> We can talk about that we... guy too, but he hasn't been on yet for so. Uh, well, yeah, let's let's bring that guy up, and uh, I've got one other um, that I have not reached out to, but I'm going to reach out to. So let's talk crossover division, and then we'll we'll talk that guy. Well, we are um, we're about five backers away from equaling the total number of backers I had for the last campaign for number three, and I still have a week left, so that's pretty darn amazing. Um, mm -hmm. It's got some great art by uh, Alice LeClerc and uh, Ryan Crowbaugh and Brant Fowler's the letterer, James Powell's the editor, I'm the writer. We also have uh, some pretty amazing uh, variant covers that can be virgin variants as well. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, Pablo Martinena, who's our artist on the first two issues. Uh, he does a variant cover. We have Fellhound. Fell is mm -hmm. just an, a delightful human. There's yeah. no other way to describe her. It's yeah, so much, uh, so much talent. First, mm -hmm. um, so fun, so friendly, uh, so clever. Like, just yeah. I mean, I don't know Fell. I haven't met her in real life, so I, I, I can't say like to know her to is the lover because I don't know her. Mm -hmm. Man, what a just likable human being and just somebody to root for and. Um, I've had her on a, uh, variant cover and I thought you were smart to do so too, because <laughs> just a great person to have anywhere near your property. Yeah. She's awesome. And then, uh, Emily Pearson does another variant cover for us, which is beautiful. Uh, it's also the project image for, the, yeah. for this issue. It's and so simple and elegant. I'm going to actually go back to your page real quickly okay. in case people are watching. Um, I don't think I did it. All the way. And Emily was just uh, wonderful to work with as well. Um, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go down to. I'm going to go away from the managing my pledge, which <laughs> I accidentally hit earlier. So yeah, there Project Emily. That's Emily's cover. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go to Brant's GIF where it goes through all of the covers. I think it's up at the top. That would make sense. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah. So there's Fellhounds. There's Emily, right? Mog. Yep, there's Emily. And then Mog, Mog Park, who is amazing as well. Uh, yeah. And that, that, the, you have that as a, a tier, don't you? That... Yep. She uh, agreed to let us uh, add that as a tier. So if you love that cover and if you are a human and have two eyes, you should love that cover. Cover, yeah. 
you can uh, actually purchase the original art to that cover by Mog, which is amazing. So intricate. Mm -hmm. Just gorgeous. She's also uh, just a wonderful person, but, mm -hmm. but just like there's so much, there's so much happening on that page. So much detail. Um, yeah. It is, it's just beautiful. I mean, I, uh, I love looking at Mog's work. I mean, she does uh, Snowpaw. Yeah. Snowpaw, our, which is coming soon. Snowpaw number two. With, with our buddy Rob. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's always a treat to see her art. I mean, if you, if you have not purchased Snowpaw number one, mm -hmm. uh, you need to make sure you catch up when uh, the number two drops real soon because it is a beautiful book. It really, really is. Yeah, I just, I, I moved up to Emily's. And I'm, I'm not going to say simple because I'm not an artist, so I don't know what goes into this, but it's just so, the form is so, um, there's not a lot on the page, but everything on the page is gorgeous. Well, and it, it does have some nice little uh, Shakespeare puns on it, too. Um, right. You know, it is the east and Juliet is the sun. And there's a picture of a sun that says me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, as much as I would like to take credit for that, uh, that's all Emily. She's uh, she's awesome. So, a, rose uh, by, a rose by any other name, I'm going to guess. Yeah. <laughs> It is, uh, but but what would um, what would poison have to do with Romeo and Juliet? I'm, I've never seen the end of the play. Oh, I you know I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> I don't get what the daggers and the poison mean. I really love that sweet little love story about the the two people who fall in love and everything's going to turn out right, right? That's right because right. they're teenagers. <laughs> Here's Fellhound's really cool. Mm -hmm. the, the way she used the daggers to create frames was is really nice. It, there, yeah, she's uh, she's a lot of fun to to just watch on Twitter too because she's always talking about sword ladies and abs. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's Pablo's. Now the cool thing about both Pablo's cover and Alice's covers mm -hmm. is they're the second half of the connecting covers that they each did for number three. So Alice's three and four cover fit together. And then uh, Pablo's number three cover and four cover fit together as well. So it's that's cool. Pretty darn awesome. So we talked about that guy. We always we 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 we, we kind of mess with him. Yeah. And because <laughs> I'm going to say this: to know Charlie is to love him. Charlie Stickney yep. is um, the most authentic, kind, smart, talented. You know, he's everything that you hear about him, and he's a lot more. Um, and Glarian, White Ash uh, presents Glarian is also just in the stratosphere. I, I don't know where they're at right now. Um, 1,140 backers. Oh my gosh. That is a monster. And he still has like three weeks left, I think. So, yeah, yeah, he's only got $41,000 in funding. <laughs> Oh, God bless you, Charlie. We are so happy for you. But yeah. guess what? We want you to get more. And yeah. and if you haven't been into uh, White Ash, if you like fantasy, you need to be reading White Ash and Glarian. That's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. 
you have to, you got to be reading it. There are some, some books out there that, um, there are a few books out there that I think are as strong, um, art writing synthesis as white ash, but there is another one that's that strong and I have not reached out to them yet. I'm going to try to reach out. I can't promise that they're going to be able to make it because I don't know anybody's schedules, but skies of fire volume two is actually out there. They're also just destroying. Um, I'm going to send uh, Ray Chow uh, an email and see if he can come on with Charlie next week. Uh, Skies of Fire. Um, there, I work with Ludovic Soleil. I'm never jealous of anybody else's artists, but there are some books that I go, wow, look at that artist. Skies of Fire is one of those. Not that the writing isn't pretty amazing, but the art is just epic. Just absolutely epic. Uh, very much well worth looking at. So uh, can't promise Ray Chow. Well, we can't promise Charlie beyond because that's seven days from now. Who knows? But um, <laughs> Charlie is scheduled to be on next week. Ray is not. We're going to reach out and see if he can he can make it. But even if he can't make it, I definitely say check out uh, Skies of Fire. Ray and Vincenzo are just great creators, great writers, and their artist who is, I believe, Brazilian. And I'm not going to go to the page and try to pronounce it, but look <laughs> at the look at the blimps he draws, and I dare you not to back this book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, twelve twenty-two hour and twenty-two minutes, just the two of us. Uh, so, what we do you talk say? Forever, right? <laughs> What do you say? We stop We stop uh, recording and keep talking? Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Everybody who joined in, we really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you um, could handle the fact that this week was not our usual Kickstarter roundtable, but um, I, it was fun to just kind of talk to Will, too, because I like that guy. I like yeah, that guy. And then that guy, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thank you.